We're continuing our series this morning uh, out of the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 7 will be our text uh, today in just a few minutes. Well, actually, I'll read the whole chapter, uh, 26 verses of it, to tell a story about how sin has hidden fees. Uh, the title of this message this morning is Sin's Hidden Fees. And this, and this week, as I was preparing for this message, I, I, I was reminded about some things that I, I've seen in advertising lately. If you're in the, the, the banking business, the financial world, or maybe you're going to go out, maybe this week you, you attempted to buy some tickets to the, a World Series game that was in Houston, or maybe you've gone to a, a concert recently and you've purchased some tickets to, or, or, or a good or a service and, and the advertised price is X and the actual price that you pay with cash, check, credit card, debit card, whatever your method of payment is, Apple Pay, whatever is Y. Significantly more than that because tax gets added to it, convenience fee, service charge, delivery fee, shipping and handling, even though like some tickets I've ordered for something that Candace and I are doing in a couple of weeks in New York City, the tickets were sent to us electronically, but yet I still had to pay a handling fee for those tickets, even though nobody's going to handle that ticket. I don't understand how that happens, but there are hidden fees all throughout our kind of financial dealings. And there's kind of been a push to eliminate hidden fees. And you'll see somebody advertise something and it will say no hidden fees. What you pay is what you get, or what you pay, what, what you see is what you pay for. And we, we as consumers, we as participants in this economic transaction, we, we want to know exactly what we're going to get, and we want to know that we're going to pay exactly what we're supposed to pay for it. And, and much like several of the things that we do regularly come with a hidden fee, a hidden cost, we're going to see this morning out of, of Joshua chapter 7 that, that sin has hidden fees. Now, we, I want to kind of clarify a couple of things with you before we get into the Scripture. Besides the fact that sin comes with hidden fees, we have to understand uh, that there is not a single one of us sitting in this room uh, that is perfect. Every one of us walked into this room this morning having probably sinned today, this weekend probably. All of us are sinners, and we've all fallen short of God's glory. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 makes that abundantly clear to us. And we can see, uh, because I think that all of us would admit that we're sinners because we're here in church, finding out how we can do that less frequently and be more like the perfect Son of God, Jesus Christ, how we can become more like Him. The second thing is that, that our sin, capital S, comes with a consequence. The separation that all of the individual sins that we may commit over a lifetime, the separation that that puts between us and God, our, our sin, capital S, comes with a consequence. Romans chapter 6, just three chapters later, Paul writes, the wages of sin is death. The very presence of sin in this world causes death. When God designed the world and when He put it together and when He brought Adam to life and then He created Eve and He put them in the garden and He gave them uh, uh, the, the opportunity to enjoy all of His creation except for one thing, by design, they were going to live forever. But then they chose to disobey God's plan and God's direction and, and, and chaos in the form of sin entered the world and we were separated from God. See, our sins come with consequences. Some of those consequences affect us directly. Some affect others directly. 
Sometimes, though, we're not aware of what those effects of, of, of our sin might be. We're not aware of the hidden fees that come with the sin that's in our life that might be present in our local body here, the local church that might be present in our world. And we're going to see how that affected, how, how the sin of one person affected a group of people in Joshua chapter 7. I think that part of what those those hidden fees that are in our business sector and in society, I think part of what those fees and how they affect us negatively is, is not knowing how they work or, or, or what they actually do, what we're paying for and how that actually works. And so I think that what we're going to see in Joshua chapter 7 is, is how the hidden fees of sin work and, and what we can do, what you and I can do uh, to avoid the consequences that come from that. So let's read Joshua chapter 7, the full chapter, verses 1 through 26 together. Verse 1 says, But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against his people, burned against the people of Israel. Now, I want to back up just a little bit and tell you what these devoted things are and why this was such a big deal. If you remember last week, Michael was here. He preached about the fall of the wall of Jericho. Obviously, there would have been a lot of belongings if an entire city fell. Could you imagine if somebody came and destroyed all of Conroe? There'd be a lot of our stuff left over. For these people, it was gold, silver, belongings, clothes, things like that. God, in part of His covenant, with Israel, with His people to continue to move into the land and move into the place that God had set aside for them to, to, to take over and to live in at the leadership of Joshua, part of that covenant was that they were to take nothing from Jericho. They were to destroy everything. And here we see in verse 1 that the people of Israel broke faith in regard to those devoted things. And the result of that was the anger of the Lord burning against the people of Israel. So watch what happens next to the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about three thousand men went up there from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai, And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. As a result of that, in verse 6, we see Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. And he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought up this people over the Jordan at all just to give us to the hands of the Amorites, to destroy us. Would that we have been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. So he brought them this far only to have them defeated at the hands of a small village, a small city named Ai. O Lord, what can I say when Israel, verse 8, O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies for, for all the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what, will, and what will you do for your great name? Joshua and the other elders were fearful that, that the result of, of this loss would lead to all of Israel being destroyed. That, that other enemies of the people of God would come in and destroy them and cut them off and keep them from going where God was leading them. 
And he finishes verse 9 with that question, what will you do for your great name? And listen to the response from the Lord. He says in verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put among them their own belonging, put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted to destruction, for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up, consecrate the people and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, there are devoted things in your midst. O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. And then he outlines his plan for how he's going to reveal who this person was that sinned and what the consequence of that sin was going to be. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes, and the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come near by the clans, and the clan that the Lord takes shall come near by households, and the household that the Lord takes shall come near man by man. And he who is taken with the devoted thing, he who is taken with the devoted thing shall be burned with fire, and he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near tribe by tribe, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought near the clans of Judah, and the clans of the, the clan of the Zarahites was taken. Then he brought near the clan of the Zarahites, man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought near the, house, the household man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him, and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Listen to Achan's response here in light of his sin. He says this in verse 20, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar, and 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted them and took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. And they took them out of the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the people of Israel and they laid them down before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel took with him, with him took Achan the son of Zerah and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold and his sons and daughters and his oxen and donkeys and sheep and his tent and all that he had. They took everything that Achan had, all of his possessions, human, animal, inanimate objects. They took all that he had and they brought them up to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his, burnt, from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor. So, so what obviously we see some, some very costly consequences to Achan's sin. To, to the decision to, to look at the devoted things, to look at that silver, to look at that robe, to look at that gold, to look at the things that God had said, do not take these things, destroy them. I've given you deliverance over Jericho. I've given you that next step in your journey to the place that I've called you. People of Israel collectively 
Do not take any of these things. Do not take any spoil from this victory. Everything belongs to God, and God had told them to destroy it. And we see in verse 1, the people of Israel broke faith. Not, not the man Achan, not the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, but the people of Israel broke faith. See, the first thing we see in this passage, in this story, this account today, is that, that God expects His people to function as a team. Yes, all of us come in here individually this morning. As Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, all of us come in here this morning having sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Some of us, many of us, most of us have trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, but we still collectively as a church are one body. In the same way, God's people Israel are one body. And He had given a covenant to them. He had said, this is, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to respond to me. And one person out of that body broke that covenant. One person sinned, but we see all Israel suffering together. They suffered in several ways. One, they sent out 3,000 men. 36 of them were killed. The rest came back ashamed, beaten, destroyed. Joshua and the elders are to the point in verses 6 through 10 where they're thinking that they're done. They're thinking that the Canaanites and others are going to come and surround them and cut them off and destroy them, and all that God had laid out before them was going to be ruined. See, God's covenant was with all of Israel, the collective, the same way that Paul describes the church as the body of Christ. Christ is the head, but each one of us that are in Christ are a part of that body. First Baptist Conroe is just this one part of the body of Christ all around the world seeking to make disciples and grow God's kingdom and grow the body of Christ. And the author of, of Hebrews says this in chapter 3, verse 13. He writes about in, that, that we as believers are called to encourage one another so that none are hardened by sin's deception. That we as believers would work together to encourage one another that we would not fall into sin. That we would work together and function as a team. And sometimes even when one person breaks course from that, as is the case with Achan, we see that sin can have hidden fees. The second thing we see besides God expecting us to function together as a team is that all sins are serious and come with consequences. And this specific story, in this specific instance, one sin was enough to affect an entire nation. One person's sin, one choice to take a few things, a victimless crime. Nobody, everybody was dead. Everybody was destroyed. There was no, no life left. It was just stuff left in Jericho. Nobody was harmed by that, and yet, and yet God brings judgment on all of Israel because of this. Verse 1 talks about the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. And God set out to, to, to take action, to, to issue the punishment, the consequences that came with the sin. And so as we, think about, as we think about the presence of sin in our life, the wages of our sin, according to Romans chapter 6, verse 23, is death. The punishment that we deserve for sin is death. But Jesus Christ took that punishment on for us on the cross. Jesus Christ took that punishment on for us. Without Jesus, the punishment for sin is death, but because of Him, we can know eternal life through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The third thing we see from this passage is that, that God knows us and God knows our deeds intimately. He didn't choose to or ask Joshua to put together an investigative committee or a, 
or a group of detectives or a group of forensic scientists to go out into the camp and, and search each tent and look for clues of who had these devoted things that he talked about that are written about in verse 1. Instead, and we see in this passage, he says, I'm going to call out the tribe. I'm going to call out the clan from within that tribe. I'm going to call out the household from within that clan. And I'm going to call out and reveal to you the individual in that family because I know who it is and I know what they did. And far too often in our lives, we know that, that God not only knows our actions, even when we think that we're doing something that nobody else will see or no one else will discover, God knows that. But even deeper than that, even deeper than knowing our actions. He knows us intimately. He knows our thoughts. He knows our hearts. He knows our desire. There's no escaping or hiding from God. You know, there's a similar instance of this at the very beginning of Scripture. In Genesis, when God's created Adam and Eve and He's given them this garden to live in and everything is perfect and everything is the way God designed it to be. And He gave them some instructions and He said, live here Enjoy this garden. Enjoy the things that I've created for you. Enjoy the plants, the animals, but there's a tree at the center of the garden. And you're not to eat of that tree. You're not to eat of the fruit of that tree. Adam and Eve eat of the the fruit of the tree of the, the knowledge of good and evil. Sin enters the world for the first time and everything that God created that was perfect was now not perfect anymore. And the first thing that Adam and Eve did in that story is they hid from God. And what What a silly thing to do. Hide from God. Think that you're going to get away by hiding from Him physically. God's presence finds them and addresses them in their sinfulness and, and, and lays out a series of consequences for Adam and for Eve and for all mankind that would follow that. God knows us and He knows our deeds intimately. But know this this morning, that even though sin has real, tangible consequences, even though sin has hidden fees, even though we see in this story that there were some, some penalties that Israel had to pay. There was the ultimate price that Achan and his family had to pay for his sinfulness. Know this this morning, that, that there is hope. This story isn't over in chapter 7. There is hope that God gives us the opportunity to come clean. See, God gave Joshua a directive, said, go and do this. Be there and identify the per- I will identify the person for you. And He gave... Achan, the opportunity to confess what he did. And then God reestablished his covenant with the Israelite people. And he goes on in chapter 8. You can read about on your own. You can read about the fall of the city of Ai. And the Israelites continued march towards what it is that God had, had called them to do and what he had set forth, forth for them. And so God, the fourth thing we see in this is that God gives us an opportunity to come clean. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive them. Now, can- confession doesn't cancel any potential consequences. I have to be careful because I'm not going to try not to embarrass my two kiddos who are in the room right now, but every once in a while, they might be disobedient to me or Candace. Every once in a while, they might be disrespectful to us or disrespectful to one another, and they're very quick to apologize for that. Uh, and maybe your kids are the same way. They're very quick to apologize to you and ask you for your forgiveness because they think that they will get them out of punishment, right? You're very quick to admit, oh, I, I did this. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Yes, I forgive you. I love you, but you're still grounded or, 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 or you're still without this or without that or you're still going to be in this state of punishment for a day, a week, a month, however long it might be based on the severity of the action. 
And so we, we can kind of be the same way. We can say, oh God, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry for that, or, or that, that person that we wronged. I'm, I'm so sorry I said that in that way. I didn't mean it that way. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't mean to hurt you. But once that action is committed, a, a process starts where, where consequences have to happen. But God gives us that opportunity to come clean through a personal relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. See, before we read Joshua chapter 7, I told you about the, the fact that the very presence of, of sin in our world and in our lives separates us from God. Thankfully for you and I today, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to bridge that separation, to give us an opportunity to know Him, to confess once and for all our, our need for a Savior and to trust Jesus Christ and follow after Him. And so this morning, as we see from these, these 26 verses that God expects us to function as a team, all sins are serious and come with consequences. God knows us. He knows our deeds intimately. And He gives us an opportunity to come clean. And I think we have to ask ourselves two questions based on two things that Achan said in verse 21. When he's giving his, his confession, his response to Joshua in 21, he says two phrases that I think are, are of utmost importance for us this morning. The first thing he says is, when I saw. I wonder what had happened if he hadn't seen those items. I wonder what would happen if, if he hadn't seen those items at all. And then the second thing that he says is, then I coveted. I saw and I coveted. So I think two questions that you and I must answer each day, each time we're faced with a, 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 a decision to make in, in the spiritual realm and our walk with Christ when we're faced with temptation is, what am I looking at? And in some cases, that's very literal. and In more cases than not, it's figurative. But, but where is my spiritual attention? Where are my spiritual eyes looking? In some cases, it literally is, where am I looking? What am I looking at? And then the second question we have to ask ourselves is this is, what, what do I desire that's not of God? And because we can be caught like Achan, looking in the wrong direction. We can covet something that God doesn't want us to have. We can, we can want something, desire something of this world, and that can cause us to sin. And that sin can come with, with hidden fees that could affect us, our families, our relationships, our church family, our walk, our witness in the world. See, God is clear for us what He desires from God is clear to us what He desires from us. God's call on each of our lives, God's call on each of your lives is clear. You can look elsewhere for truth. You can, you can desire things of the flesh, but if we pursue and covet the things of this world, we are in danger of falling into sin the way that Achan did and suffering the consequences like that. So I would challenge you this morning, fix your eyes on Christ. Make your aim to become more and more like Him each day. Ask God to help you to desire more of Him and less of you each and every day. It'd be like if you're packing your family up to go on vacation, a group of friends get together to go on vacation, and you're, you're, you're going to make the choice that of all the places you can go, we're going to go to the beach. And so you're going to get your suitcase out, you're going to throw a swimsuit in there, towel, sunscreen, beach chair, all the things you need to make sandcastles. You're going to get in the car and you're going to go out to I-45, and you're going to go northbound on I-45. And you're never going to get to the beach, are you? Uh, because you pointed your eyes in the wrong direction. You looked somewhere other than where you needed to go. In the same way, our lives are just like that. We're, we're, we're faced with moments each and every day like Achan, where we're looking in the wrong direction and we have a choice to make. Turn our eyes on Jesus, look towards Him, or run the risk of falling into temptation 
committing sin and suffering the consequences and experiencing the hidden fees that come along with it. So fix your eyes on Christ. Make your aim to become more and more like Him each day. Ask God to help you desire more of Him and less of you each day. And as you do that individually, and as we as a church, as we are a body of 650, 700 people that were here today between the three services, if we make those decisions individually, then collectively as a body, we get to experience the, and rejoice in the hope that we have. That yes, our sin may come with hidden fees. We may experience those. Others around us may experience them. But, but we can rejoice in this hope that even though our sin comes with hidden fees, it doesn't have to come with an eternal cost. That cost has been paid for us by Jesus Christ. See, just as God reestablished His covenant with the Israelites in Joshua chapter 8, brought them through to victory over the, the, the city of Ai, we can flip chapters over, books over into the New Testament and see that God established His covenant with all of us once and for all through His Son, Jesus Christ. He established a new covenant for each and every person through His Son, Jesus. And when we take the opportunity to repent of our sin, to trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and begin walking in that, then we join the body of Christ, the body of believers, and we can function together in the way that God has called us to function. We can live lives that are full of hope and joy and freedom that is only found in Christ Jesus. As we experience that peace and that hope and joy in our lives, we can experience peace in the midst of chaos that's in the world around us. We can be people, men and women, students, families, a church family that helps bring peace to chaos in Conroe, Texas, and beyond. We can usher peace in the midst of chaos in this world today. 